0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.
0: The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club.
1: Welcome to episode 14 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and by Chris. So the third Glasgow Derby of the season ended in a stalemate this weekend as Celtic once again dominated play but couldn't convert the possession stats into goals. It's the last time we'll play Rangers at Celtic Park this season, at least in the league that is, but will John Kennedy and today's man of the match Scott Brown be around when the fixture resumes next season? And while you're at it, you can also add another half dozen or so others to that list of potential exits from the club this summer. We'll cover all of this and more in this week's episode. Muff, what's your thoughts on the result and performance against Rangers? Was it an improvement for you and what we've seen so far this season? Hi, Tino. hi, Chris.
0: Uh, I think the level of performance was a was a slight improvement for me. felt um, we dominated the game and, and should have won it. However, that that therein lies my problem with today, is that we should have won the game. We didn't. We found a way not to win it. Um, the concession of the goal. It's just so frustrating, but it's a movie we've seen before. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yes, another marginal improvement in performance. Should have scored more than one goal. Um, a lot of players looking bright. Uh, probably Kenny, the only one that didn't get pass marks. For me, shape looked good. But here we here we go again. You know, should have won a game. We didn't. It's just been the story of the season.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, definitely better to watch than definitely improvements um from what we've seen recently but ultimately you know it's one point rather than three. Chris, what's your own take on it? What did you think?
2: Reasons to be optimistic, I think, from the game today. Um, I think we have got a lot to look forward to rather than be worried about. Um personally myself and I'm trying to be optimistic considering the circumstances um very recently. Um thought they I thought again the performance was really, really good. The exception of the goal in the second half. Um, and it just gives us a wee bit of optimism going forward for the future. In Scottish Cup, we've got something to play for this season. We've got reasons to be hopeful, basically. So again, the performance just basically gives us a wee bit of again, optimism. Must do better, but again, we must be getting three points. We need to basically, and that's twice now that's happened. Um, and I just feel as if we have got a wee bit of glimmer of hope. Um, that is
1: that so try to be as optimistic as I can I'll never condemn you for, for optimism I think um, I think definitely in terms of some of the things to be uh, more hopeful of was some of the individual performances so we've seen a bit more of guys like Diego Lax out today Callum McGregor showed some stuff Christy and Spells Moyel Unussi showed definite glimpses of the player that we know he can be Matt, who, who stood out for you and was there anyone that didn't uh, quite get past marks?
0: Well and I, as a reference there I don't think um, I don't think Kenny it's any pass marks just because he's involvement in, in Rangers goal both from the concession of the corner kick for almost inside Rangers half which is, you know, it's certainly a new way for us to, to find how he mess things up after, after getting into the lead um, and then letting Marielis wander off the back and well, that's probably less of a crime given that the striker always has that instinct to go towards a goal whereas the, the defender tends to just follow the path of the ball. Also. But su- such as life, he, he definitely will bear the brunt of a lot of the blame from, from Celtic fans and justifiably so. Um, in terms of performances, I, I thought Laxalt was was really good, really bright and, and seemed to offer more than the final third than we've seen from him up until now. I mean, it, what what you couldn't question for Laxalt is his all-action uh, sort of style, which is always quite appealing to fans, especially in a team like Celtic that's been relatively struggling uh, this season. But there actually seemed to be a bit more quality about him. Um, in, in the final third, his link up play with, with McGregor and Ellen Russi was, was particularly good as well. So um I think Lacksilk merits a mention. Um Odson Edward as well was, was really, really bright, and most of the good stuff came through him in the, the final third as well. So um no, I, I think everybody merits a pass, Mark. You know, Christine and, and McGregor's endeavour is is never in question. They had a wee bit more quality about them today in terms of their movement going forward, and, and Brown. Brown had had one of his better games of the, the season as
1: well. So obviously, pre-match he's made a pretty big gesture in approaching Glenn Kamara in light of you know the troubles that they had on Thursday night. And I thought it was, uh, you know, an important thing to do, and a you know a real sign of leadership there. And I think and hope it seems to be appreciated across the board. So that that first and foremost is a strong move by Scott Brown pre-match today. Beyond that, of course, in terms of his own individual performance, as you said, Muff, I thought he he played pretty well. He obviously got man in the match um via Sky Sports. And I think certainly up to around about the 75th, 80-odd minute, he done pretty well. And that's, you know, we've spoken about a lot. That's how we should be using him. We don't need to have him for 90 minutes, time after time. But he shows certainly in, in pretty decent spells, not just in 15 and 20 minutes, but, you know, at least an hour or so of a game that he can have a, a serious impact. Chris, what was your own thoughts on how Scott Brown done today?
2: I thought he was very impressive. I really did. He put a completely boss in midfield yesterday. He controlled the game. I and mean, that's that's just typical Scott Brown. Um, so I thought again very very impressive but again I think it shows his leadership. Like, and you've already mentioned it um, showed his leadership before the game showed his leadership on the park and I think for Scott Brown Scott Brown Scott Brown has to be managed right you, you mentioned in terms of the 75th minute in terms of when he substituted or whenever he, whenever he came off but it's, that should have been him all season this year and I think it's again it speaks volumes where, where we're at with Celtic and Celtic this season, unfortunately, haven't been managed appropriately for one reason or another. And I think that speaks volumes for a guy like Scott Brown as well because he's effective in his own way. And again, we've seen it We've seen it from today's game as well. He's, he's effective in terms of just again, just being that 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 presence in the park as well. And again, that's what he should have been done this season. It should have happened this season. And unfortunately, for one reason or another, it's just not happened. But yesterday, it was very impressive. Again, usual Scott Brown bossed it. And as I said, I thought he was really, really good. And again, again, I think, but I think again, I've mentioned in the show before. I think there's a future for Scott Brown at Celtic in one way or another. Um, and I said, I think even from a playing capacity, a very limited playing capacity in the future. But I think he still shows he's still showing that he's got capability
0: there, anyway. Yeah, just uh, on a couple of those points there, Chris. I think there are ones that we've we've mentioned in in previous episodes around squad management hasn't been done correctly so it's pleasing to see that element um, maybe being addressed by Kennedy even if it's in a a short tenure but also concerns over our inability to put forward a 90 minute performance that still remains and I don't think today's done anything to quell that there seems to be a, a fitness issue for us to be able to stretch that over the the 90 minutes but also the the substitutions as well. And I think it would be remiss of us regardless of how positive we might feel um about a, another improved performance. And game we should have won um is that the subs to me were were absolutely baffling. Not not just necessarily the personnel, but the, the timings and and what they were hoping or supposed to achieve.
1: Yeah. And that's you know, you lads have heard me speak often enough about you know a lot of the things that I admire about John Kennedy and the things that I think he does really well and the way he had his set up and you know tactics formation etc. All good, but substitutions are a key part of football and I think not just today. I think in the previous couple of games he's made some questionable subs. It was great, of course, to see James Forrest coming back in, but two things: should we have waited till the 78th minute and should we have brought off David Turnbull?
0: Well, the the, the whole Turnbull thing baffles me, especially. What my eyes were seeing was Turnbull driving the team forward, getting in between the lines and creating space and playing nice wee passes forward. Also, his set-piece delivery was excellent as well. He seemed to always be, you know, undoubtedly Elanussi could have probably had a couple, or, or Welsh and Elanussi could have had goals for, for the set-pieces. Um, but it, it remains, it, it just remains a, an issue for me. I think Forrest's introduction, Forrest did a few nice touches when he came on. It was, it was great to see um, but one thing we should bear in mind amongst all of this uh, is that John Kennedy is still new to this, so we should expect him to make mistakes because he's, he's a rookie manager who's been thrown in at the deep end. What Where I have an issue with this is around the fact that he was there in the previous tenure but that was also clearly an issue. So I would have liked to have think that's something he would have addressed and and made sure that he got right or certainly did better
1: at. I think from John Kennedy's point of view, and again, this may all come back to the fact that he is very much a disciple of uh, Brendan Rodgers. He is quite happy with the patient build-up. He doesn't like to force the issue. He doesn't like to go gung-ho or anything like that. And I think we've seen that. And I think that's reflected in the fact that he waited till the 78th minute. I think because we were dominant, keeping possession and pretty much, you know, in the ascendancy in the game, he felt, why change it at 60 minutes or 65 or 70 if we're on top? From a fan's point of view, though, you're watching it and you're thinking, you know, can we get forward a bit quicker? Can we show a bit more drive here and really take the game to them? And it didn't really happen. And I suppose that leads us on to, to the question, to pick up your point, I think it's a great point that, to a huge extent, you know, it's easy to forget because he's been around so long, but this is only John Kennedy's third game as a manager in his own right, albeit as interim manager. And... He himself, yeah, he is learning on the job, and he'll maybe reflect on on the game, you know, when he's doing his analysis and say, "I should have changed it sooner. I should have changed him for him, or or whatever it might have been." And I think it just stresses the importance of the fact that. So obviously, you know, there's there's been talk about guys like Enzo Maresca, for example, coming in to potentially replace Neil Lennon slash John Kennedy, and that, that doesn't work for me. Bringing in a guy who's only ever coached at under twenty three level so far to basically come in and experiment with the Celtic job or try and learn on the job, I just don't think it's feasible. I think we need to be looking for someone who's tried and tested, has been over the course and di- course and distance and knows what it takes to win games of football and isn't just trying things because it's so big this summer, we can't afford to make mistakes and we can't afford another, dare I say, Ronnie Diala type where it looks on paper that it might be great. And I think Maresca looks like he may be an extremely talented coach, but we can't afford to be his... Uh, you know, has his stepping stone to see if it works or not. Myth, where are you at? Does it have to be someone of experience for you or would you be happy with the the more experimental route?
0: Yeah, uh, I it would have to be somebody of experience for me, but all I would say is that I don't think there's many trophy leading managers out of work or in work batten down the door to become Celtic manager. Conversely speaking to that, Rodgers wasn't a trophy leading manager. It was more about the job that Rogers had done at Swansea that made me think he would be a good fit for Celtic, although we, we all have to remember that, that Rogers was damaged goods when he came to Celtic and the relationship benefited both parties, um, although it now seems to be benefiting Mr. Rogers more than us, but it's a different story. Um, so I, I think you, you, you want the romantic notion Celtic fans are looking for something to cling on to. They're looking for something to believe in that's a bit more a bit more lovable, if that's the right word, than what the the and Rain was, because it, it became so turgid and the warning signs had been there for a wee while that, that it was slipping and, and they get ignored. So I think there is a, a real desire for a modern forward thinking manager or first team coach to come in, hence why someone like Mareska would be desirable and also fashionable for a lot of Celtic fans. There's also the the pragmatic side which says you don't you don't get the two and a half, three years that Gerard got at Rangers at Celtic, you just will not get that. A, a project manager may need that, that time to become successful and he he or they will not get that time at Celtic. So because of that, I think you have to go with someone that's a bit more tried and tested. Um, I've been saying for a number of weeks. I think it'll be Steve Clark. Not necessarily that I want him, but I, th- I think Steve Clark picks a lot of boxes for the Celtic board because he's he's probably the safest pair of hands out there that would take the job.
2: I think just to, I think you make a very valid point as well, Math. Um, I look out there in terms of actually managers. You're absolutely right. There's, there's no a lot of managers that are kind of jumping out at us in terms of the trophy-leading managers that are there. But I think there's only the one that jumps out at me the most. I so it's, it's for, for, by, by far the most attractive coach to me. And it kind of falls into the kind of Roger Rose, Eddie Howe when you're mentioning yep. that. I, I just feel as if, as I said, it's, um, you kind of mentioned his damage goods. you get a great your reputation as Bournemouth and he turned a bit, a bit sour. But this is an opportunity for a uh, and Eddie How to come in and actually make a mark in terms of to come in and actually win something basically to de- take his uh, development that step further. Um, this guy is getting touted potentially for a future England manager a few years ago as well. So mm-hmm. there is keep it, There is actually ability ability there in terms of managerial ability. So that's only one for me again in terms of mm-hmm. kind of tried and tested established management that I believe can probably come in and it really excite the fans as well. Um. So I just kind of, kind of taking your point on board, yeah. enough, like I could just kind of react, that's what kind of just jumps jumps to mind for myself.
1: I'm similar, Chris. I think you know, an Eddie Howe really excites me. And the thing about Eddie Howe, if you want to compare him to an Enzo Maresca, as young man as he is, he's been a manager for a long, long time now, several years in the Premiership, four or five years in the Premiership. I think you, you can't not learn from that, and he's experienced, and he's taken dressing rooms, and he's had the ups and downs, and and everything else in between. And I just think that's the difference in terms of what he would offer. And with all due respect to Maresca, who's only ever coached, you know, kids and guys under 23 level. You know, at the moment, as the name suggests, he, te- uh, he coaches kids who are under 23 years of age. That's fine. And they'll all look up to Enzo Maresca and say, all oh, right, you know, he's the man. Try doing that when you've got hardened professionals touching 30 and you're falling out of them. Well, just,
0: just on that point, um, Rangers' successes came from a very similar appointment. However, they'd
1: to wait, you know, the best part of three years before they saw any success. Yeah. That's not going to fly to Celtic. Yeah, you, you fancy sitting tight till the 2024 season for the next league title? No, no thanks. <laughs> absolutely not. And then some. So yeah, that just shows that, as I say, you know, as opposed to John Kennedy, who I think is a talented coach, but is learning on, on the job, we need to get someone in who's who's absolutely ready for the job. Um, one thing, just to go back slightly uh, to the Rangers game, when John Kennedy looked down at his options in the bench in terms of striking, uh, he had Lee Griffiths, he had Patrick Klamala and nowhere to be seen was Albion and Ayeti. Any ideas what's going on there? Try to do a bit of surfing online to actually
2: find out whether or not he was injured. Can I find anything? So it is a bit of a head scratcher. Um, I, I, can, I said this in the, the show the, the other night, I, I can, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Albie and Ayeti. He's getting a, a great position. He works hard. Um, I think obviously, again, it's, he's suffered this season because he's not had this, um, the same. He's not had the deliveries in there. He's not had the the, the service basically. But no, that's that is, it's quite concerning. So whether it's I don't know something behind the scenes, fitness
1: to be determined. Mm. Apparently, Kennedy thought he was one of the mannequins where he practice free kicks. I mean, I, I agree with you, Chris, in terms of I think he has something to offer and he showed in flashes uh, that he can be a a, a decent frontman. I think just to look at Odson Edwards' chance where he was wiped out by Barisic for a (laughs) stone ball penalty, (laughs) Uh, uh, Ayeti takes that first time, Griffiths takes that first time, there's there's just there's different type of strikers of course in the modern game Uh, and I think he does take that first time if he's fit and available to be there but the fact that he doesn't feature in a squad, that I think there's nine subs allowed nowadays, so if you can't get in that 20 odd man squad, I haven't signed for five odd million, I just think that speaks volumes for the guy. Walling signs, definitely walling signs. Yeah. So I think just to, to give you the stats, in twenty seven appearances for Celtic, he's got six goals. It's not a top drawer, is it? No. No. So I I think if you're finding yourself out that squad and and with all due respect and not a lot of respect, if you're behind Patrick Klamala in this in the, the pecking order, something's gone wrong with you. Big time. Yeah. I again I was not a big fan of Klamala either. And again, if that is the case,
2: then no some serious questions need to be asked there.
1: Yeah. So the wonder is I think John Kennedy today against Rangers has got a bit more out of a few few guys that have struggled. So, I, you know, we've agreed that Laxat out with a decent game. Uh, Edward and Elianoussi linked well up top. Christie and flashes. McGregor showed some, some you know, stuff that were, you know, we expect to see from him um, and so on. So there's, a, there's an improvement there, but there'll need to be a serious improvement on guys like Ayeti and Barkas if they're going to have a future at Celtic. One further encouraging sign from the game against Rangers is the the ongoing partnership or the blossoming partnership between Chris Ayer and Stephen Welsh, Matt. What's your take on that? Yeah, I've been quite encouraged by that. Um, unfortunately, we believe or it
0: looks likely that Ayer won't be there next season. Don't um, break my heart, Matt. Don't know, break my heart. I, well, well I, I, as a case, you would break your bank to keep him because he has he has been a shining star this season, and I think that that tells you something. If somebody has been a regularly consistent performer this season, they've obviously got something about them because they've been able to do it. And the chips have really been down, and everything's been falling apart when about them. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of a lot of chat online, and and for people that who, who I know and respect, people that even people that go on my supporters' bus that they don't really rate Welsh for some reason. They don't seem to think he's 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 got it long term. I I can understand that because he be stature, he maybe doesn't look like a dominant type centre half, and and also whilst he's still young. He seems to be quite hash-bash when he's clearing the ball. You know, it always seems like he's not really quite getting a full, a full foot or a full head on it. But I do think, as he's played more games positionally, he's got a hell of a lot better. And he does seem to work really well in, in tandem with Ayer. So I know I've been critical of the, the defence in terms of set pieces, but that's not just down to one or two guys. That's a collective thing. But I think in general play, we're not exactly getting you know kind of spot wide open with -hmm. those two at the centre of the defence whereas like we've seen when Duffy beat on in the team those two are in practically at the centre mid position getting turned on the you know just absolute kamikaze defending with those two you're just not seeing that and I think that is really to their credit I can
2: understand where you're coming from because I I was the same opinion. I thought he was very raw and he does not have that stature as well in terms of height and the physical lovely shed lovely shed to be envied Uh,
1: (laughs) 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 I'm
2: strong <laughs> <is. laughs> <laughs> um, I'll do that one big man oh, nice. mate. Um, no but I thought see I, I think, again, what I was really really impressed particularly today about Welsh was his ball retention I thought his ball retention today was fantastic or sometimes soon you come into a skick it doesn't matter what team it is again but you come into a Celtic team and you've got a personality like Scott Brown in front of you Scott Brown was trying to dictate the play in some instances in terms of saying shift it left shift it right but he was taking upon himself in terms of ability to play, drive forward and to actually open up the play a wee bit as well, but these are just wee things. But again, these are big things when it comes into part because again, he's, he's been his own man, he's been his own yep. personality, and he's doing what probably he's done as well. So it's just it start it was really, really good. That was just
0: one thing I spotted today. I thought that's quite interesting to see him doing that. And, and other than uh, being almost not Welsh, unconscious, uh, where clearance the being I thought his I know that I don't look him at me that, you know. I thought Bean's distribution was actually really, really good today. And and he managed to, between them, Welsh, Aya, and, and Bane, they managed to seem to take a lot of pressure off the defence by the way that they were switching the ball about at the back, which was really the foundation for, for a lot of our attacks because we seem to knock Rangers out of their shape quite quickly. And I do think part of it was Rangers have, you know, they've exerted quite a lot over the past uh, two weeks or so. And um, Thursday night was obviously pretty, pretty draining for them on, on, on various different levels we really had a chance today just to go for their throat. And I I, to me, today just feels like an opportunity missed. We we could have went there, put our stamp on it, beat them. And let's be honest, even the way we did go about the game today, was good enough to win it. We had chances to win it. To me, it just feels like an opportunity missed. But it's hard to be overly critical yeah. of the individuals within the team, except for Kenny, because his, his poor moments were just so notable.
1: Yeah, I think I've flagged it. And I think you're right, you know, we can give Scott Bain the benefit of the doubt to a huge extent because for eighty five odd minutes he was spot on and I think John Joe Kenny, first game of this elk, you may maybe give him again a wee bit of slack on it that you know, maybe he just he struggled with. I am seeing the occasion, obviously no no fans and attendance, but he didn't quite get it. But I think, you know, that aside, across the board, every one of Celtic players were, you know, were at least you kinda know, seven out of ten and all that stuff. I, I think what I do really like about Stephen Welsh, and you touched on the, the Duffy and Beaton stuff there, Matt. In a good way, he doesn't make the headlines, right? So Duffy makes the headlines because throwing this one, you know, into his own net almost, or he's brought this guy down the edge of the box, or he's given that away in different things. Welsh is just nice and steady. He doesn't do anything fancy. He's not, you know, he's not particularly imposing, as you see in terms of his stature, but he's just a nice, tidy player. And he seems to have a threat, by the way, in the opposition box. He scored a decent header a number of weeks ago. He had a decent attempt today from a corner. So despite his lack of fight, He's got something to offer there, hasn't he?
2: Ball again, back to our point earlier on. Ball retention, today. Again, see defenders, first and foremost for me to defend, right? And I think Stephen Mills has been doing that, and he's been doing it again under the radar. He's been defending pretty well. Again, that's again that's a sign of a, again a good starter, a good grounding for a defender. Because when you're getting a defender, a uh, Shane Duffy in the pass coming in, calamity here, a near beat on sending off here. Just do your job, play or just pass it on to somebody else. He's going to create. it's going to take a ball that further up the park. And that's why I really, really, really impressed with my days. I said, it's just that ball retention. It's about keeping the ball and moving on and just keep, keep
0: nice and simple. Yeah. I think, they, they just don't, we should touch on Duffy. I know we probably weren't planning to. He's not been involved at all. But what you've not been seeing for the Celtic defence is what you were seeing for him. And that was going for a ball that's head tight, missing it completely. Going to diving in ridiculously when he's the last man, when mm. all he has to do is stand off, guys. Diving in. I think the one that springs to mind to me was a Milan game where in the first half he stood off the boy and he's let the boy have a 25 yard run at him instead of being tight to him and in the, se- the second half he's went to go and get tight to the boy when there's been no- nobody behind him and the boy's just spun in I think we conceded two goals directly from him making you know the wrong decision I think it was a St Mirren game he's went to header a ball completely missed it <laughs> he just continually makes the, sa- the same mistakes over and over again we went through about four months of that before they eventually get dropped out of the team. Mm-hmm. So the, the, these things, maybe Welsh is looking good because it's in comparison with us because of what we've received. I'm, I'm conscious of that. But to my eyes, there really does seem a, a good, decent partnership developing there. And, and there is a lack of general um, panic in the defence. It's more now centred around the set-piece area. How we fix that, I don't know. We, we probably need a bit more height in the team, and in general, we, we seem to lack a bit of physicality. And I thought that was evident today again as well at times. Um, but I think set piece defending is just as much psychological as, as physical. I think and, a big, and it's, a, it's a bit willing to get your body,
1: in, you know, in the way of of the ball going in. Yeah. Right? Again, I'm going to touch on some of Martin O'Neill's chat uh, on Sky Sports after the game. James McFadden was mentioning the various centre halves he had, and the Bobo Baldies, and the Johan Mbabis, etc. And that these guys were just magnets to head a ball. You know, they just they were just drawn to the ball and they, they attacked it quite aggressively. And Martin O'Neill said they absolutely done that for him and he could trust them to do so. Whereas some of the guys he's worked with in recent jobs, I think he was indicating, and some of the guys in the modern game don't have that finger on their... You know, they're almost afraid to throw themselves well, at it. Iyer, I wouldn't put Iyer in that category. I mean, Iyer's a big, a big lad,
0: a big physical lad. He, he has great um, athleticism mm-hmm. and agility. But he doesn't go out well to attack balls. In fact, you've seen him the day having a free kick gave against him with Goldson at the back post. Yeah, Goldson was just kind of quite easily holding them off. There's not none of that. I'm going to get across the front of you. That sort of... I mean, Big Bobo, you used to see Big Bobo running him when the ball was coming in the box. It was a, it was a thing of beauty. But, the, you know, with our defence and our team as a whole, is there MD in there that would run and attack that ball? I mean, even getting back to fairly recent... History when, when Musa used to cover the front post, Musa mm-hmm. was just like a,
1: a third centre. He was brilliant at doing that. Yeah. I think they do like aggression, and I don't mean, you know, going out and swinging elbows and punches and anything like that. Just controlled aggression as a footballer is important, and Martin Neal's team absolutely had it. And out with Scott Brown, you know, and I think, you know, he'll start to phase things down, you know, in due course. There's not a lot of it around, is there? You know, and there's talented players there. <laughs> you certainly couldn't call Odson it. edward really aggressive. Just uh,
0: bro- broke my own heart mentioning Musa there, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Iyer class defender as he is he's not an aggressive centre half and I said that you know you can run through the whole team I don't think there's anybody there you would describe Duffy as aggressive but not, not in a good way he's just he's not he's not got the quality that you need to go with it so as I say controlled aggression is important and we seriously lack that throughout you think as well you know if, if you're lax out if you just chucked your braids about you know that would be quite you off take some desire way, I'd I take some eye out you know what I mean yeah true stuff so just uh, one of my, my beautiful segues coming up speaking of left backs uh, lax out what you guys team. What you guys might have picked up on uh, last week, I thought this was really interesting actually uh, Kieran Tierney was mic'd up for the North London Derby against Spurs, don't know if you guys seen the footage, you can get it on YouTube, it's about five minutes long, uh, Arsenal have put it out really really interesting, just, even just purely from a footballing point of view to see how a guy like that takes himself through a game how he cajoles his teammates, how he shows aggression, how he claims for different things and it was really really interesting, so a real focus on Tierney and it just shows you the very natural leader that he has become, so Let's not get too upset by the fact that he's gone. But what I thought was interesting was I don't think there's a guy in our current team that you could have mic'd up and and shown in that same light that would have been anywhere near as impressive. You know, we've got good players but we're kind of mouse, aren't we? You know, that are kind of quiet, mild-mannered players. And that's not enough, isn't it? You're not going to win leagues with that.
2: No, no. And again, that's the reason you talk about those type of players and what my expectation would be a Chris Iyer if he remained to be a Celtic player. That's the type of player you see him being very vocal with. I look back even a few years ago if you, if you remember his tackle against Rangers last minute to tackle and he, he celebrates it like, like a goal and I just seen that bit of personality and I just feel he can develop into that, that type of player you're referring to and I just feel as if again again there's not an awful lot it about it like, and that's what you're basically saying there is not an awful lot it about and that's what we I think that's what ultimately we need. We need to be aggressive in the right way.
0: In fairness, that's where the, the Duffy signing should have made sense. And, and, did, and did to all of us. Um, because he, he looked to us, and, and Julian and Ayer, I think we looked at the playing and we thought, decent pairing, but we could probably do with somebody that wants to put their head in where it hurts. And that's why a Duffy-esque centre-half was signed. Because we felt Julian and Ayer were good, but a bit too nice. And the, the problem you've got now is if you take Julian out of the team, there's just
1: a complete lack of height there. You know, just a complete lack of height through the full team. And it shows you the importance of, you know, partnerships across the board. So, you know, your front two is important, your kind of, you know, midfield berth is important, and certainly your centre half being. and we've never quite got it. And I suppose that's why it's quite encouraging, at least, you know, at the moment, to see Welsh and I are connecting pretty well. But whether that can be a thing moving forward remains to be seen. To go back to the the Kieran Tierney and the mic'd up thing, as I say, I thought it was just a very fascinating from a, a footballing point of view. Question for both of you lads, uh, and I'm obviously asking you on the hop here, you've not seen this ahead of this one, but if you could pick any Celtic player from the past to make up, who would it be? Who would you love to have, you know, had a real kind of close insight into? And I would always think about guys who are, you know, leaders and vocal guys. And I mean, it'd be fascinating to have maybe even gone really far back into like a Billy McNeil type or a Bertie Old, you know, real aggressive characters in the game. But is there anyone that you guys can think of? Come to you first, Miff. You're looking like you're searching your Celtic archive in your head. Aye,
0: yes. Um, the obvious one for a man of my age and era is Paul McStay.
1: Mm-hmm. A fairly um, quiet
0: guy, though. A fairly quiet guy, but somebody who played through, he was an interesting, uh, he played right through the generations for you know, I think he was in the team for 82, 95,
1: 96. So I'll check that for you. Um, Paul McStay would be the obvious one for me. Of more recent times, Paul Lambert. Right, okay. What about yourself, Chris? Any, anyone that springs to mind? Neil Lennon. New yeah, Lennon for true. me
2: again. I think about New Lennon, just again, just again. Obviously, get all the, the trouble he went through as well as a player. And again, it, again, he was a ta- kind of a target in the top. Obviously, in the week of all weeks. Again, in terms of all the nonsense he's been going on. Again, I'd love to have just seen again in terms of what the kind of thought process with New Lennon is. And he, he was a very calm player and a very influential player for Celtic. And I always kind of wonder that way what was kind of going through his head on the park as well. And again, it, it didn't phase him. We know that. We see that. Just be interested to see what his kind of feelings were, how he kind of dictated the play as well. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm laughingly like, just thinking about just one more as well, the Holy Goalie. Again, Arthur <laughs> Boric. I just want to see what big Arthur, yeah. Arthur would be uh, in be the football park. There'd be some
1: decent entertainment there. Absolutely. Interesting that the three players that you've mentioned there are three centre midfielders, Paul McStay, uh, Lambert, and obviously Neil Lennon as well. And I think Scott Brown could fall into that category. So obviously, as I say, you know, he's maybe winding down his time at Celtic. But I think what? that would be quite X-rated. maybe so but on his day in top form you know he'd have been an interesting character to watch I wonder as well if this is something that's going to come into the modern game I don't know the background on that one and and why it came to be but I thought it was just very interesting as an experiment in general and and I would definitely suggest that you go and watch
0: it Just on a more general, a Celtic related general point is that we probably were very underappreciative of just how good Tierney was for the overall play not just defensively but he, he was a a real contributor to our attacking play as well and he was ours for nothing you know yes. he he just developed in our team and not take him for granted in any way but he, he's just been such a huge miss
2: but I think you look at it as well again maybe us looking inwards thinking think to ourselves right could he really do it at that level and then he, done, he started just he kept going up and up and up in terms I'm talking about for us and then he's taking that as well obviously down to, down to Arsenal as well because you've seen him I think it was Benfica the other week. again. was I mean, think it, 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 it was his assist as well. We get an assist as well, I'm sure. Was it, was it, who was it when they were playing during the week, actually?
1: I'll meet again. I might as well try and who
2: it was. It wasn't it Benfica? It was it He would just drop his shoulder, go, and he just took your boy completely out of the game. And it's just, he's fantastic as it's a it's, it's a sore one to take because there's a number of players
0: that I mean look back in the recent history you mentioned the most as well and it's just I think mate, the best we can hope for with Tierney is he gets home sick his contract just comes back up the road
1: I, I think you've not seen the last of Tierney in nah, a Celtic shot but totally it depends like it. whether we get him at 28 or 36 <laughs> or whatever we get <laughs> him true. at. but yeah he's definitely um, a real quality player and I think he could kick on and go to another level you know he's playing obviously at a high level down there but every time you, you see him on, on, I don't know, a match today or whatever, they absolutely rave about him. The
2: debate they're having down south now is Andy Robertson v Kieran Tierney
1: um, argument. I know that's been going down well,
2: around in social four, media.
0: The, the, four, the four that they keep mentioning is Reguilón for sports, who's a good very player. impressive player. Dina favourton who I, I don't think is as good as is Tierney. Or Robertson for that matter. Tierney and Robertson. Um, Robertson has had a poor season this season in terms of his attacking input, but I think that's just because Liverpool just seem to have lost the plot completely as an mm-hmm. attacking force, for the time being at least anyway. Whereas Tierney can appose a lone man forward to that left-hand side and it is quite it is quite remarkable. I, I just wonder, I know this isn't the Arsenal exchanger, the Kieran Tierney exchanger or anything, but I, I don't think he looks fully integrated into that Arsenal squad. There's something, I don't know, there's just...
1: I, I think Arsenal aren't quite Arsenal as we know them at the moment as well. You can see the absolute... Uh, love that Mikel Arteta has for him you know you see yes. him embracing him yes. post-match I, 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 is Obama Young their captain just yet? I just think it's, it's a certainty that Tierney will be the next Arsenal captain if they can keep him and it, then he'll kick that, on that, that,
0: that's what I mean I think there's a few I, I don't mean to sound uh, kind of I, I don't old-fashioned when I say this but I think Arsenal always had that reputation as being a bit soft and a few big-time charlie been there to me there seems a lot of guys there on big money that aren't putting in the required shift whereas somebody like Tierney whether he was earning 10 bob or 50 grand he, he just plays the way that he plays and he, he always has done so I think guys like Tierney will be absolutely critical to Arsenal you'll see if, if Arteta stay Tierney will stay but I, like you Tino, I think he's actually destined for, for bigger things I, I think he could easily go to a Man City Yeah.
1: Um, like he definitely could and good luck to him so we'll kick on now we'll, we'll move back from some Arsenal chat back to Celtic so again looking at the more general picture just now obviously um, disappointing not to get the result against Rangers where do we think this leaves John Kennedy's chances? Has anything changed? Does it improve them? Does it, does I'm, it not? I'm going to make a bold statement. Mm-hmm. This is a bold statement. Go
0: for it. I think they might give him the job if he wins the Scottish Cup. In the showers? Potentially.
1: You don't want to break tradition. Tradition is important. Big Pedro, we can't <laughs> 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 what, what an hour, what last, last act. A oh final nervous. act. So, yeah, I mean, if John Kennedy... So, obviously, he's... He's not got the result against Rangers today. We've obviously got five league games left after the split, one of which will be at Ibrox. If he, I don't know, if he wins four or all five of them and then the Scottish Cup. I, I, I don't think we, that,
0: that's that gone. I, I think if he wins the Scottish Cup, he's, he's got a really good chance of getting the job. Yeah. That's, that's just how I feel.
1: I, I think that would be a very Celtic thing to do. And how would you feel about it? Would you be pleased enough? No, no not for you. What about you, Chris?
2: No. Um, I think, I'm sorry, sorry map, I, I just feel as if, I think we we can obviously we can win the Scottish Cup. I've got after I've got encouragement after today that I think we
1: I've already told you we are winning the (laughs) Scottish uh, Cup. uh, Take it Um, it as red.
2: I I, I actually feel we've got a great good chance now in terms of winning the Scottish Cup after seeing seeing today's performance. I'd be really, really disappointed if we did win the Scottish Cup. Right, sorry, and John Kennedy, Celtic manager. I'd really permanently. I just. I'd be really,
1: yeah, really, really disappointed. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think a lot of people will feel like that. You know, they'll respect John Kennedy. Be great to win the Scottish, but if he then moves on, then I think that's okay. I just get the
0: feeling that the Celtic board will want to. They want to play safe. That's if Kennedy wins the Scottish Cup and then is backed in the summer to a degree of, you know, they they make the appropriate changes they have to make, players get shipped out, they want to go, they identify some targets and, and, and bring them in, which is how Celtic have worked, you know, signings have been made, comings and goings have been chatted about whilst we've got an interim manager and which suggests that there's obviously a, some former transfer committee working in the background somewhere, you know, somebody like Kennedy then just staying in situ, I'm not trying to ease the fear here lads, I'm just saying that, that I, I've got a feeling that as this progresses and if Celtic do win the Scottish Cup, I could very much see Kennedy staying in charge I'm not saying it's the right decision I'm not saying I'm happy about it yeah. I'm just saying I could. Re- I really really could see it happen mm-hmm.
1: I, I could as well you know we've, we've experienced the Celtic board in recent times and, and it wouldn't be unlike them to make such an appointment but use the word safe myth. I, I think it's anything but a safe appointment and by safe I mean in the, the eyes of yep. the fans hi, because hi, I think yep. the fans could revolt and I know they've had their issues this season in terms of some of the protests that we've seen but I, I just as I've said before, for me, John Kennedy is the right guy at the wrong time, or potentially the right guy at the wrong time. And I just think it's so important, given what we've experienced and what we've suffered, you know, which I think is a fairly accurate word to be using, what we've suffered this season, I think the board really need to to get this one right. It's so so important. It's, it's potentially the biggest important in, you know, the, the modern history of Celtic. You know, Peter lovell has been there since two thousand three and you know, there's been some big appointments and, and loads of success during that time. And I'm not, you know, dismissing that at all but we've now reached this crossroads where we're deciding, you know, what's the direction moving forward, not just for next year, but for the next five and 10 and 15 years. And it's just so important. And I think that's why John Kennedy may suffer because I think a clean break is probably best. Well, to my mind, you know, I'm,
0: I'm saying that about, about Kennedy. What I feel personal is that we do need a big name to take us forward. We need somebody with a big personality to come in, lift the players, but also get them really, really organised, more organised than they have been particularly defensively and, and, and from set pieces, that I think that requires a big personality to come in just to you know to lift the players from where they're on the floor at the moment. Let's be honest, um, they, they need somebody to come in and just inject a bit of life into them. So will John Kennedy do that? Whilst he's made small improvements, um, and there's been improvements, you always look at individual performances and see that they're improving. Uh, and you need, that's to his credit that he's come in and done that the long term job requires someone to you know, we shouldn't just be looking at next season. We should be looking at the, you know, <laughs> the seasons coming after. We we want a structure and a plan in place. But I think it was announced earlier in the week, um, about the coefficient and that there'll be direct entry into the Champions League as of, as of next season. So invariably whilst whilst the ten was important this season and it was important to Celtic fans and, and should have been important to the the board and the players, when it comes to money, Dominic Mackay
1: isn't in yet. You could actually argue next season's far more important. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that and just you know, just stresses the importance of of the weeks ahead. I think as well for the 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 new head coach, whoever that may be, and I do think it will be a new head coach as opposed to John Kennedy, there are so many key objectives for this guy to come in and it's going to be such a busy summer. I mean, you know, just rhyming them off. First of all, he's going to have to deal with the guys that he loses, right? You know, potentially Edwards, Ayers, etc. He's then going to have to handle and integrate whoever is brought in, whether that's through a transfer committee or otherwise, so he's got to integrate I'd say at least half a dozen new players. He's also got to lift the guys who who, as you say, on the floor or, or similar. He's got to motivate them and get the best out of the McGregors and the Forests and whoever's remaining. He's then also got to make sure we qualify for Europe first of all, make progress in Europe and oh I retain a league title. It's huge, isn't it? There's, there's so many key objectives. And I just think that's why we can't afford to experiment with an Enzo Maresca. Imagine putting that on Enzo Maresca saying, Here's your objectives for for your first season as a, a full time football manager, Enzo. Listen to this. He'd be nowhere near the job, and nor should he be. I don't think. Fergo Harkin looks like he's maybe close to coming in as director of football, which is great. That that would seem a good move on paper. I, I do like the undertones. What's Fergo Harkin? Uh, but I don't think we should then say okay because we've got Fergo Harkin, we then need to look at bringing in a Man City link for your coach. I just think it's too big a job for someone who's got no experience. <sighs> the thing is though that. Unfortunately,
0: there, there is a large swathe of Celtic fans. Hard to tell because of the um, what, what you see online, but a, a, a lot of Celtic fans want that kind of romantic appointment, that, that sort of almost project dialog like appointment where we go, oh, we can appoint somebody who's less heralded, but will come and play this type of football and develop young players. That will require time not enough of the Celtic fan base will be willing to give any new coach that time. So, it depends what, what way we want to go, what type of club do we want to be. If you make that appointment, great. Don't expect to be qualifying for the Champions League the next season because you will have to allow that guy time to, you know, bring the right players in, develop. Much like, much like Gerard had to, had to do it at Rangers. No, it's like he, you know, he wasn't a success overnight. Mm-hmm. He, he had to build and it really, really needed patience and the patience of the board. So... Would the fans be willing to give any new manager
1: that patience? I would, I would tell you the answer. The vast majority of fans will not. Yeah, I mean, patience isn't something that you often associate with any new Celtic manager. And the bottom line is, and it's wrong, but the way it is, is you must hit the ground running and you must win the league title. And anything else is failure. That's how it is, isn't it?
2: Yep, absolutely. I, I just feel that I actually get quite excited with Enzo Maresca Link, and I think, as well with if it is a fairwell harking appointment, I think it just naturally fits. Um but at the same time he needs to hit the ground the guy needs to really hit the ground running. Um I think in terms of the blueprint of an appointment such as that as well is that it's to tap into maybe kinda of unknown um players that we've not just under the radar at Man City that again I'm used to I can use a and charm again. He was good for a good for a bit and then obviously disappeared off the radar. But mm. from, Paul, from- Fringpong and one that's Patrick Roberts um, I feel oh, as if that's Harry. I think that's where again we could potentially go but I don't again the, the Scott he's the guy who's really really got to hit the ground running
1: yeah. um, so, so let me ask you then Chris so you, you're quite keen on the, the sound of someone like Maresca uh, if I tell you that we get Maresca we play free-flowing football it's great to watch but we don't win the league next year or the year after
2: Unacceptable that's yeah. what I'm saying the guy really needs to come in and hit the ground running that's the reason I'm, I think as I said in terms of The blueprint behind the thinking, right? But as I said,
0: ultimately, he needs to deliver. Because if he doesn't deliver, the guy's got a job. The the other side to this, though, is where are all these proven winners that are trophy-laden
1: knocking down the door to become the next Celtic manager? Well, that's true. And, you know, is it a case where Celtic just really need to push the boat out to get the guy they want? They need to spend a few quid to say, listen, we know you're a man in demand or a man even potentially in a job at this moment in time. Uh, You know, and, and really make a statement appointment and and did you have any managerial breaking news for us Chris
0: Alex Neil left press
2: <laughs> <laughs> north end we I was actually going to throw that in earlier on to say
0: big name Alex Neil there we go so, if you, so <laughs> troops if you are listening and you weren't excited about
1: Steve Clark you might be you know. <laughs> so You wouldn't take Alex Neil, would you? In, no. fact, in fact, I don't even know why I'm asking the question. I've wasted some good air time there asking that question <laughs> uh, when I should have been talking is about it fans. Ever, is this ever good air
0: time tomorrow? <laughs> uh, some people I think so. Sorry, yeah, sorry.
1: Um, but yeah, it, it just shows you that, I mean, you know, there's three of us in a room trying to, you know, come to some sort of agreement and can't. It, it also asks the question, you know, there's a lot of talk just now about um, Celtic fans becoming more vocal and that, you know, the Celtic Trust and various others are making moves there and, you know, credit to anyone trying to improve what's happening at Celtic. But I just think it's a real tall order to try and get any sort of fan voice and to decide what what Celtic's future could be, you know, because there's so many, you know, we all know the headline decisions about, you know, who your manager is and who you sign and different things. <laughs> there's more to run in a football club than just that. Someone asked the question, should... Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Someone who speaks a lot of sense on Twitter, but she asked the question, should Peter Law will be put on gardening leave between now and the end of the season? That would be absolute madness. Why would you do that? Because being CEO of Celtic isn't as I say just about signing players and you know making sure we've got the right manager in place there's a business to run there there's a, a, a multi million yeah, pound business and, and to run. I think
0: that that question itself comes from a fan who's blinkered by the football element that's, that's mm. but that, again that's not uncommon fans look at you know what have you done for me lately what's happening on the park when's my, when's my new manager coming in when's a new structure getting announced when's a new signings getting announced mm. Celtic have already lost the league right come on I'm moving on already that's understandable, that's just how football fans are. The reality is though that Celtic is a huge commercial enterprise and whether fans like it or not, Peter Lowell has been hugely successful at building that commercial enterprise um, out of the very fans who have been slating them. So I, I mean that takes some going. The, the issue you've got, a point we have made repeatedly over a number of podcasts, is we are now really running out of time. We're in mid-March slash end of March we don't have long to prepare all, all things told I mean for the Champions League uh, or the Europa League qualifiers that will be coming up so therefore the time that we are losing means we're losing preparation time for next season, if we know players aren't staying, just make the moves to get them out the door now because there is, or if we really, really want to keep them, get the talks done, get the money in the table and keep them Hard to say that when you don't have a new manager because you never know the new manager might come in and not fancy. Excuse me, the players that they um the, the board or the current backroom team want to keep. But it just it just makes it all the more critical. Um, you know, what you can see is we're not that far away from where we need to be just now. But if you break that team up and move a lot of people on, then you might be. We're saying that because we don't know who's still to come in. But you, it, it's such a it's such a tricky and what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're just really at a crossroads and we need to get that next decision right and the quicker we, we make
1: that decision and bring something, in the better for everybody Yeah, I mean it's a precarious position That that's, that's the bottom aye, line i I'll, I'll do your, your work for you Thanks for that But we're in this position where yeah there are so many key decisions to be made and as you mentioned the John Kennedy might think somebody's a superstar say it's Christy the new guy coming in might say, absolutely not. He's not the kind of guy I want. And until we we make some firm decisions, we are, we're in this kind of limbo position. And Football ultimately is all about opinions, whether it's watching a game down your local park or if you're a top-level coach. Some guys like some players, some guys don't. Some guys like systems, formations, whatever it may be. Zonal marking, not zonal marking, you name it. It's all about opinions, regardless of what level of football you're at. And we're in this position where we cannot make those decisions confidently moving forward. And I mentioned the objectives for the new guy. You know, influx of players qualifying for Europe winning the league no less lifting the the morale in the camp it's just so tough to do and until we start making firm appointments we can't do it we can maybe you know do some things in the background and I'm sure John Kennedy's got a level of professionalism and different things going on but we're in this halfway house right now and it's frustrating to be
2: Yeah you asked the question about Peter Lawwell as well We can see that, that we're building it well, we're in a period of transition here now Peter Lawwell needs to be building towards that and what I mean by that is Dominic McKay coming in and having the foundations in place but they talk talking about player sales player purchasing again t- talking about um, talking about that early, obviously, obviously during the week there so in order to actually do that transition as I said you need you need guys like that in place in order to facilitate it I know I'm getting frustrated I get like a lot of many other Celtic fans again in terms of the transition we don't see it but there must be stuff that's going on in the background now to say that like, in terms of the movement but it's we got hope, to be so. got we to hope be. so There's got to be.
1: It's because we don't hear a lot just now, but I also understand the tricky position the club are in, in terms of they can't come out and say, just to keep you posted, guys. But We spoke to a couple of guys, he can't make it, but he might be interested, and so on and so forth. I must say, it was quite nice there for that
0: couple of weeks where we were at the news, weren't we? We we weren't really, you know, that that feeling of horror you were getting for maybe September all the way through after Christmas, where it seemed to be every week there was another disastrous story coming out about Celtic it was quite nice just for a week it seemed like the team were away quietly preparing and to be honest with you they probably did give us a performance that suggested they you know they had planned and prepared properly for the game but again I could just get back to my point it just feels so much like an opportunity missed
1: yeah, I do you know, in terms of, you know, the game against Rangers, it, it does feel like there was improvements and, and Matthew's spoken about the importance of performance and I totally agree with you. And it's a Celtic thing, isn't it? It's not good yep. enough just to win. So it was good. <laughs> I suppose we didn't get the win, but we got the performance. It showed that there's improvements there. But we need to now turn that up a notch and, and turn them into wins. Chris, just any final thoughts from yourself? Are you feeling Hopeful at this moment in time. So, as Miff says, we're, we're mid to late March. Are you feeling hopeful? Or are you still a bit down in the dumps? Where are you at?
2: No, I'm feeling a wee bit better after today, to be honest with you. I'm going to, I, I do really, really feel better about it. And we could go and, go and get a Scottish Cup win. Yeah, let's get in again. That's to, to let them know, no, we're no away and you are not in the ascendancy. We are not far, we're not far away. So, I'm being very, very optimistic considering I've been down in the doldrums for a <laughs> number of weeks now.
1: I've been worried about you, mate. So, it's good to hear those words. <laughs> what about yourself, Miff? Where are you at? Uh, probably just got to go home and get drunk,
0: to, you know, from the performance. Drowning your sorrows, i are, and just I get go me. home and
1: get drunk. Um,
0: and I'm probably going to order the Alex Neil CSC uh, banner.
1: <laughs> to plan ahead Are you going to rip up your Stevie Clark one? It's Stevie Clark one I don't know I'll keep that just in case just a, plan B. It's always good to have a backup Unlike Celtic I've got a plan B <laughs> Good stuff So Celtic now head into the end of the season split a full 20 points behind Rangers and it's clear there's work to be done to restore the confidence and killer instinct within the squad if they're to mount a credible challenge next season It's also clear that a number of players from the current squad will be moving on in the summer and some strong characters must be brought in to replace them as the rebuild takes shape my well, thanks, as always, to Murph and to Chris for joining me on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange, and finally, our thanks to you for listening. And if you've enjoyed what we do, please remember to follow and review us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you again next week. Sponsored by Ten Ten Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.